Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Indie Basketball Podcast. As you know, this is where Indie Rock meets the NBA's finest, and today I'm joined with yet another guest, and that would be Richard Edwards, who you may know from Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos. Uh, we got a great conversation coming up. We're going to talk NBA Finals and some new music that he's cooking up. I'd also like to mention that... Uh, since it is the NBA Finals, we do have a merch sale going on. You can get yourself a Death Cab for Curry sweatshirt for 20% off, as well as the Bon Iverson hats. But I got a few left. There's limited quantity available, so get them while they're hot. But other than that, I hope you enjoy the conversation with Richard Edwards and uh, enjoy the show. time for you to be coming on it's nba finals time yeah i'm just starting the pregame huh <laughs> yeah totally totally um cool so yeah like before we you know always always fun to talk about uh hoops and stuff but i want to also talk about music because i know you got a lot of that going going on right now you got a new album kind of working right now unfortunately i do <laughs> unfortunately yeah uh, have we have we started yeah, yeah. I'm okay. gonna, it's very conversational. We're just rolling with it. Right on. Uh, yeah, I just finished one. Cool. Uh, so I just mastered it. So now that's the fun part of trying to figure out. Sorry, my cat. That's all um, good. I got my dog sitting on my feet right now. So Right on. Yeah. So now comes the, the not as fun part, I guess, trying to figure out what to do with it. For sure. And yeah. I would... Is it safe to say this is just solo album, right? Margot is kind of yeah, settled. For sure. I think by the end of it, Margot was a kind of a collective. So it's yeah. like the differentiating factor is that it seems to be that the people that I do these with now are more or less the same ish kind of group of people in Los Angeles. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Maybe I should put out a I should just maybe call it Margo again to sell a few more of them, but <laughs> how um, are you uh how are you feeling about the the new songs you got? But is there a is there a I guess a a sound that you've kind of gone for that's a little different or anything? Hmm. Well that's a good question. I haven't talked about myself in a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I I wasn't planning on making a record. I was doing some other stuff and I went to Chicago for some, uh, for like a week of ketamine injections for some like lingering kind of pain I've had from this, this illness I had a few years ago. And mm. I came home and it just sort of happened. A bunch of them came out and I tried not to, I kind of tried to do it a little bit like a, a couple of those Margo ones where I just tried to go really fast. Yeah. And the last few records I've made have been very much the opposite. Very long writing process, very sort of long recording process. And this time I tried to just kind of go go as fast as I could. So it must probably change it somehow. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Did, uh, did songs, what yeah, was that? Like shorter songs, not like the last record I made is like 
all the songs were like six minutes long or something. Yeah. And this time around, a little shorter. Cool. Was a lot of the kind of writing, was that a little back and forth? Because I know you released the kind of rearrangements of some some previous songs during quarantine. Was that kind of the songwriting interweaved during that time? Or was it like it was a really short time where you did this new it album? It was a really short time after that. So I, I spent, um, those were done just to kind of have something to do during quarantine. Yeah. And also maybe it was an idea I'd had for a while that like, Maybe there was some more meat on the bones of some of the songs, or um, so. No, this was after that. But I'd spent I spent a year sort of doing other things. Um, I helped my partner like adapt a book. I'd been working on my house. Nice. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have any. I didn't think about writing songs really for a minute, and it was the first time in my life that had been the case. Uh, but then it happened and it was kind of unfortunate. Sure. I just spent a year making these two records of reimagined songs and they, it doesn't cost any less to reimagine than it does to make new ones. So I'd been like, I'd spent the money to make two records and all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, you know, I have to find the money to make another one. Right. So, yeah, not to complain about the money part. <laughs> I totally understand it all. Um, yeah, and with those those tracks from the uh, the quarantine songs, I saw in the video. My my buddy Jake actually edited that one for you. Jake Carlson. Yeah, he's your friend. Uh huh. Jake's a wild man. I love him a lot. He's he's an interesting dude. He's the greatest. I've known, I don't know. How, I've known Jake for a long time, and he's. I'm a little younger than people think I am, but Jake is. <laughs> lot younger than me so i must have known him since he was a kid and i'm trying he must have come through my friend ronnie who's a chicago guy mm-hmm. are you chicago i am chicago well that makes sense yeah yeah i know where are you kind of based out of right now i'm in indiana right now but i'm usually i did live in chicago for many years right um and i've spent many years on either coast or right cool. now or parts in the midwest did you grow up in Indiana? I did. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I sort of sort of lived in New York for a long time when Mario was first going, or at least when we mm-hmm. were on tour, I was there. And then um, around the time my daughter was, was about to be born, we moved to Chicago, and we were there until she was, I guess that was like four years, four and a half yeah. years. They're not crazy long, but. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, growing up in Indiana, did did that make you a Pacers fan or no? <laughs> I wasn't a Pacers fan, but I was also that generation that, like, I say that, like, I was a little weirded out. I never liked being in a crowd and cheering for the same thing as the rest of the crowd. Mm-hmm. But I was also like everybody else. I was loved Jordan, so it's like a yeah. that's a bit of a contradiction. But yeah, I came up with that era where like. If you weren't a big Jordan fan as a kid, you were trying real hard. You know? <laughs> uh, but I went to, you know, I obviously have very vivid memories of those Pacers teams and those playoffs and definitely the Rick Smith shot and everything else. <laughs> Reggie Miller going back and forth with uh, Spike Lee. Oh, of course. And I, when I, I, I've talked to so many people about this, it's like there's a strange love that New York, maybe it's not there anymore, but when I'd go to New York when I was young, 
I'd be trying to find my way around. And if people found out where you're from, they were real into you. <laughs> it's a great New York thing. Like they didn't hold it against you. They were kind of like, hell yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I lived in Brooklyn for three years. So I totally uh, understand that. Yeah. I don't know if it's the case anymore, but they, they seem to have an affection for the Hoosiers back when I was younger. Definitely. Cool. Um, I mean, I have to ask, uh, tell me about the song Arvita Savonis. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, as you know, his son was recently traded away from our Pacers. Uh, A trade that I have no understanding of it whatsoever. I think it makes sense now. I kind of get it, but I, I was with you for a while. Um, that song just came during a period where I think I was... I remember our band catching a lot of shit and like, I think it was partly because where we were from, it was partly because we were on a major label, even though we were, mm-hmm. we were there because the president of B2 had gone there and we really liked him. But I, so I think I had a period of just like, I just want to write whatever I want to write. I don't care. Not that I ever wasn't like that, but sure. I just made a record too where it was like, if I like basketball, I should write a song about basketball, which now <laughs> seems a little dumb. No uh, way. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought he was, a, you know, was and is one of the most unique and strange NBA players in history. Obviously, he didn't come over here until well after his prime, supposedly, although I didn't, I wasn't able to see him play overseas. But um, I always liked those NBA players that were odd odd balls, I guess, even when I was young. Totally. And I know they played, uh, the Trailblazers reached out years ago and want, they played it. I know they played it at the arena. <laughs> and there's awesome. these like Lithuanian magazines that were yeah. just in awe that somebody in the States would write a song about Arvidas. Um, I mean, valid. <laughs> right. It's strange to me too. And I did it. It's uh, uh there's few songs I feel like that are like, you know, some people will title a song after something, but not mention it at all, but right. it's actually about the player. I know there's him. another, there's another, have you, I don't know if you've ever listened to MJ Lenderman. He's, he's a younger guy right now, but he has a song called the hangover game, which is literally about Michael Jordan's flu game that he thinks it was just a hangover. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know that, that, that uh, songwriter, but that's, I encourage anyone to write about, classic <laughs> players or games uh yeah it's kind of in vogue now for everybody to think that was a he was drunk the night before which i don't right. know ever since uh, uh last dance theater. came out people doubted it and why is that just because he's drinking all through the interviews and all that i guess probably all guys are like that now they're all even like lebron and those guys you see this big renaissance of like they're all winos oh they're all so into wine like to- but it's like this cover for me and i love it i have no problem with that. i like to- i know how to party but yeah you can tell like deep down these guys have like they're just kind of towards the end of the career and it's like i'm just gonna kind of be a wino <laughs> and uh yeah, Dwayne wade has a winery i think i thought that a couple of those guys were in that thing it used to be maybe tequila is more for like entertainers like yeah. rappers or singers or something and the basketball players are into the wine wineries <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you don't ever see like a a limited edition IPA from a NBA player. <laughs> you don't. 
I guess it's like wine has a connotation, I guess, of like you don't put on a bunch of weight or like stay up all night gambling when you're <laughs> fine, even though I'm sure people do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If I were if I were an NBA player, that I'd mind would be a nice double IPA that was real skunky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's just uh there's ripe with with names they can come up with that it's and I sure as hell would drink it. You get some solid artwork on there too. Oh, for sure. And then you read about um, it's not a basketball player, but I read the greatest pro. You know, so many profiles now are so terrible because no one wants to say anything that could get them in trouble. There's this great yeah. one about Coppola recently, and I don't know if it was right or something. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever read. It was about he's using his winery as collateral to make this insanely expensive movie he's wanted to make his whole life and, he, and he's so he's they talk about i don't know enough about wine but he's got he basically pioneered these underground cities where the barrels are not barrels like that's whiskey but like whatever the fuck you make wine in. right instead of finding all this space above ground they've built like they have these tractors underground that are like this whole city <laughs> for his winery which almost seems like the premise of his, that should be the movie, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what he's making the movie about. Yeah, that'd be cool. He's going to be making a movie about how to make a new winery when they repossess his. <laughs> um, so other than, I know you, you you said when I when I first reached out to you, you don't really have a team. Um, are there players you kind of gravitate to? Sorry, I hit the wrong button. Um here and there, I mean, much more when I was younger. I think the last couple of years, I've fallen off. For the longest time, I got leaked pass from some guy at the Hawks, and I wish I could remember his name. He was a fan of my band, and so I would just kind of overindulge for years. Because <laughs> I never had cable growing up. It was like the NBA and NBC, and maybe you had like a, you know, towards the end of the season, I guess you'd have games on Sunday afternoon. Sure. But maybe I just did too much of it because for, for the last couple of years, I haven't watched as much during the regular season. Yeah. And part of it's maybe overindulging, but part of it's also like LeBron's kind of my age. Like he's like exactly my age. He's sort of the last one of like the players from when I was really young. And, I, and it was like all I cared about. Right. And so now I it, it does take kind of the playoffs for me to be to catch up with some of the guys and like like it's i watched jaw during the season people like that there are people mm-hmm. i watch during the, the year and you watch someone like him because a he's amazing but b you get such like derrick rose paranoia watching that guy like he's gonna snap in half I he's definitely feel and, that yeah and it's terrible but it's just bound to happen just yeah. the way he plays so you hope that like man, if I could get four or five years of watching this guy, he could get paid and could have a little playoff success because that Derrick Rose thing is still just the ultimate bummer. And I mean, I remember watching it live and just knowing like, well, that's that, you know? Yeah. Um, as, as a Bulls fan, that lives that lives in uh, my brain forever. And I was I loved watching that guy play, you know? And you think of these guys with, you know, you know, and beats the opposite end where it's like mm-hmm. that's going to be over any minute too but for a different reason you know it's going to be right. a speed 
there it's going to be his knees but with or zion Oof. or zion yeah any of those guys where it's like man in a perfect world you could just get a few years not to be selfish about it because they're people but with Ja, it's a whole a flip side where it's like I guess there are precedents for like Dwayne Wade sort of played like that and lasted a right. little longer than most guys who play like that. But when that ended, it ended quick too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's guys like that that I, I would be so upset as Zion didn't have half decade of what he seems like he could be. Cause man, it's like so fun to watch that guy play. I agree. But, it but does some, seem some guys, it just feels like it's just too not explosive him. for your own good. And just bodies are weird, you know. I mean, I I played growing up, and I had this weird little three month stretch where I could dunk. Ooh! And it, you know, I could always almost dunk, and then I had a three month stretch where I could dunk. Damn! And I tore my ankle in half, and never had. You know, I was 16 years old. I should be yeah. able to regenerate, but just never could happen again. I could grab a limb and pull myself up, but I was never getting close to. The... So the fact that any of these guys you know, in their mid twenties and early thirties can have serious. I mean, my ankle injury was a serious injury, but it's not like tearing your ACL sure. or something, you know? Uh, and the fact that you got guys now that are tearing their Achilles and coming yeah. back and looking like close to what they in, were in less than a year. Like Kevin Durant, like that blows my mind. The Durant thing's weird though, because he seemed like he was going to be the ultimate example of someone who beat that injury. And all of a sudden it feels like maybe that was a blip. Maybe he's a great, he does not get past people the way he was. He's always going to be seven foot with a jump shot like that. Yeah. But you just started to notice in part of it that he doesn't have anybody helping him right now. But towards the end of that series, I was like, man, maybe, some of it might be fool's gold a little bit because he's such a great shooter and he's so tall. Right. Which is obviously something like Derek Rose doesn't have those advantages. If he loses that step, that's mm-hmm. the ball game, you know? It's like uh, another guy is, is Russell Westbrook. Like I'm amazed that he won. He, I think he also had an Achilles injury, right? Had a couple, I think. Yeah. He definitely had a, I think an MCL tear and then an Achilles, but he is some someone who's like still maintained that explosiveness to to some degree. And he's no fun to watch for me now, but I've said it before. I've seen two athletes in person where athletically they seemed like they were playing a completely different sport from anybody else in the floor. The first one was I went to see at a birthday party, which maybe the only birthday party I've ever had. And it was it was a Saturday. And our guy from our label was there, and the Colts were playing the Patriots the next day. He goes, oh, we're going to go, we're going to go. All right, all right, all right, we'll go. Next morning, I did not want to go. I was not <laughs> feeling great for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. I was ignoring his calls. He just shows up. I got tickets, we're going. So I peel myself out of bed. More hungover than I've ever been in my life. And great decision. It was incredible. It was that year they were both undefeated until whatever. You know, Colts were up the whole game, and then starts to shift mm-hmm. and randy moss I, I can picture it in my head this day he's he's done he's like caught a couple balls but it's not been anything crazy and they just decide to stop fucking around and brady pulls back 
and Randy Moss rises and catches this thing. I wish I could pull the game up. I'm sure it's still like <laughs> one of his 10 highlights. That people, I've never seen a full crowd of people just instantly just like, zzz. yeah, I've never seen anything like, and then after that, just the couple things he did was just like, that's it. My friend was moving out of town and I had these Pacers, uh, courtside connections for a while because I nice. befriended the Lakers PR guy who knew David Benner who was the Pacers PR guy. Yeah. So for a year and a half, I was the greatest date in town. I'd take my daughter all the time. If my friend was moving away to get a job was at a different college, uh, I took him, I was like, let's go see Russell Westbrook play. And that was the second player that like, yeah. I've never seen anybody with that kind of like burst it was downhill, 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 downhill. I've seen LeBron a few times in person. I saw Kobe's second to last game at Staples. Like a lot of these guys, they're amazing, but they're like playing at half speed. Yeah. They're trapped like LeBron's methodical. Yeah. Methodical, but also like with LeBron, he, you can tell he's trying to look cool. Like <laughs> yeah. He's sort of playing half speed because it's cooler looking than trying right. all the time. Not that he doesn't try. He isn't sure. second greatest player of all time. But, but Russell Westbrook was just like, yeah, forty-eight minutes, never giving up. Yeah. Oh my god, and just like, just four steps quicker than anybody else on the floor. Now, currently, that belief in that ability is probably not a great thing for him. Yeah. But at the time, it was incredible to see. For sure. I mean, especially <laughs> the what was it the. The first year he he averaged a triple double. This must have been what it was. It was right after Durant left. Yeah, because I know Durant. I, I know we were going to see Russ. Durant was not a part of the equation, so it either had to have been the first year or the second year that all those other guys were gone. I can't remember who won the game. I can't remember who else was playing. I just remember feeling like this is like art, you know, like this kind of athleticism is so insane considering. The other nine players on the floor are also like the greatest in the world at what they do. For sure. Yeah. There's um there's a conversation I've been I've been having with some some people on on the Instagram page, and it's I, do you do you keep up with like the NBA draft and all that too? I do, but I but I watch so little college. Yeah. Now that I, the top four or five picks, I kind of know what's going on, but after that, not really. Of of what you've what you've I guess known, what do you think of Chet Holmgren? That's one that completely escapes me. I have <laughs> no idea who that. I listen to a lot of these podcasts and I do read, and it just seems like the opinions are really split between like Dirk and fucking like uh, uh, Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So I have no idea. Everybody's it's, think this draft is really deep but nobody seems to like anybody that much yeah it's 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 very difficult to assess because on the one hand i could see if he bulks up like you know is he a deal he he, so he's that he's one of those guys who's like he's 611 but he's got handles so he can kind of play anywhere um who was the guy on the hoosiers who everybody was like Supposed to be the number one pick for year for full year before everybody noticed how shitty he was. I'm uh, not sure. He was, he was a balding guy even when he was like 17. Was it like recently or? 
like maybe a decade ago, he still played, or up until recently, he still played. God damn, he had a brother. Uh, never mind. It's gonna be a tan- played for Indiana. Was it? Wasn't did Cody Zeller play at Indiana? Zeller. Okay. It was Cody Zeller. That's yeah, he was pretty hyped. Oh, for people kept pretend it was like the Wiggins thing. People yeah. kept not believing that they weren't seeing the fulfillment of this projection for a full mm-hmm. year. But they had to admit, like, it ain't happening. You know, right? Well, on the subject of Wiggins, that's that's one guy that the 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 career arc of Andrew Wiggins is is really fascinating because he was like bust to like come all the way around to be like kind of what we thought we were getting when he got drafted sort of but like yeah defensively for sure yeah he projected as such a great defender and that was almost the most shocking thing was like how lackluster defender he was for so long right but then you also realize like who wants to spend 82 games defending on the wolves for eight years or whatever i guess you know yeah I, I love seeing I, – I text my, my same friend I was talking about taking to see Russell Westbrook. We text during the games because he's kind of my last basketball friend. <laughs> and, uh, it's all Wiggins. It's just like, oh, it's so fun to see him, like, just to watch him play defense and to see good things happen for that guy. Totally. I'm not sure why. I think that's cool. Because he's mean, one of those think- guys, he almost always wondered if the problem was between his ears. Like, the, the, like the poops IQ just never seemed to be there. I, I saw feel like there's a it's just weird. And uh but now he seems really smart on the court. There must be some sort of uh head games being played when like I was traded for to like, you know, LeBron traded me, basically. Right. So I, I'm sure there's some sort of messing with your head there, but I mean he's he's I, coming around now and he's a great value to that Warriors team. He is every now and then he still disappears, but uh, I'm more, I'm in the minority where I don't think that Warriors team's that good, but mm-hmm. I do think he's a very very positive uh, contributor to that team. But I have so, yeah, I like that team anyway. On that note, uh, how are you feeling about this NBA Finals? I have a vested interest in seeing Stephen Curry fail. Because <laughs> I don't think I have some. I won't say it in public, but I know he's not quite the guy he pretends he is in public. Uh, I think he's I just see made, that. he's a shithead in certain ways in his life, and I have certain uh, secondhand experience with it, <laughs> maybe. But uh, I, it's a weird one. I don't know. I, I I don't quite understand how Boston's as good as they are either. Yeah. I, I mean, Al Forford having his moment in the sun. He's incredible. And yeah. to hate him, like I really, you kind of saw the point in the middle of the season where the computer game started figuring it. Like he seems like this walking, for a guy who used to be just like trying to do Kobe cosplay. He still is. Now, <laughs> he does for sure. But then there's zones where it becomes like so like computer. Just yeah. every footstep. Even more than Harden was, it's just like bam, bump, 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 and for the podcast that won't make sense. All those bump, <laughs> like a maze or something. Where yeah, I don't even find him that fun to watch because it seems so. It's impressive how like controlled he's become. Yeah, I see, I definitely hear you on that. I much prefer watching 
Jalen Brown, or I much prefer watching Marcus Smart because he's fun I like to watch watching on defense. Flawed basketball players, I always yeah. have. And the more guys figure out, the thing I find the most amazing isn't the threes; it's the fucking footwork. Now it's like, yeah, it's ballerina stuff, you know. And you could spend the whole game just watching these guys' feet and realize like how far it's come. That's uh, why Embiid always blows my mind watching him work in the post. Absolutely. You know, and Shaq had some of that, but he was such an outlier for a guy yeah. that size who could dance around like that. And now it's, I guess it's like anything. People can, you can study YouTube videos your whole life, exactly how to shoot, exactly how to move your feet. Right. I do miss the Jason Williams of the world who would just oh, of start up and shoot 30 footers and then get benched the whole fourth quarter. Or Jamal Crawford, you know? Oh, yeah. And I mean, Iverson, even all these guys whose game yeah. that certainly hasn't aged well as far as how we think about basketball now. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said those, that it wasn't a total joy to watch those guys play basketball for me. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, the that thought now that uh, guys like Seth Curry have kind of ruined basketball for like young people the way he plays. Yeah. And it's left, like, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he did. I don't know. He, uh, now people I, want to do the fast break three point shot. <laughs> and I'm I'm not totally an old man about that. I, I still yeah. enjoy watching basketball, but I do miss the element of basketball that was a little more of a boxing match. You know, like, and maybe it went too far in that direction to being like an and one mixtape. Yeah. When Iverson was the most influential player, but going back to the last dance or something to watch Jordan it just seems like there's less of that like leading games there still is there always will mm-hmm. be and you see it in the all-star game with the new format like when you change right. the format you do reintroduce some of that boxing match stuff True. Um, but I think they're going to have I think it would be cool if they really changed the game a lot to it's like anything once the computer figures out the simulation yeah. you change it you know it was so fun. I'm, the All-Star game is such a non-event, but it's been so fun to watch. What do they call that rule? Well, at the end of the game, it becomes like the first one to 11 or whatever. Well, I know it's like they're do, basically there's like, was it, four mini games? Yeah. And there's like the, the guy who developed that rule. It's named after him. And I, my brain's not doesn't hold that much information. But um, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard when I heard about it. But then I watched it and it was incredible. It yeah. becomes a pickup game, right? At the end, but in the best way, like with real stakes, and uh, yeah, yeah, the best players need it in their hands at the end of games, and you know, I don't know. I, I, I do I think they're trying, <laughs> I, and I, it's being fought for sure by the players because they've introduced that idea in the future of doing like a mid-season tournament. It just seems hard to imagine what the state like. <sighs> all this stuff is cool until like the stakes are meaningless. So like the play in tournament, I think is a cool wrinkle too, but it's also yeah. like, you're still watching a nine seed and an eight seed. So it's, it's like, it's, it's MLB's wild card series, you know, that's why if they do a mid season thing, I almost wish they would just rip off the NCAA and just make it single elimination because in some ways you've got kind of more bragging rights. If you win something right. like that, and you also introduce so much more variance for like 
parody, which has never been the NBA's strong suit until maybe recently. Uh, you know, but that's why it, there's other reasons it's never going to be as popular as football, but part of it is parody. You know, nobody wants to see, like, I don't mind watching the Lakers play or whoever, but right. it can't be fun to, like, really root for a team in Ohio or something and know that unless LeBron James is born there, you're kind of never going to have anything good happen for you, really. Sure. Hey, man, the, that Cavs team looked pretty fun this year, though. They're really fun. Yeah. But they're also fun because they're so bad all the time that they pick first every three yeah. years. And uh, the Pacers have always been the prime example of like ownership that doesn't really want to spend money, doesn't ever want to be too bad. So, except for that blip where you had the teams that were ended by the brawl, mm-hmm. until then, or before then and after then, you just are mired in this like 46 ones every year. Yeah. And you do kind of long for someone with vision like Hinky or someone to come in and just be like, maybe we should just be terrible for two years. <laughs> you know, like have Halliburton and have a couple top three picks. And all of a sudden, maybe it's like more like OKC and less like yeah, the Timberwolves or whatever. So There's a. Except unless you're the Kings, or I feel like they just like they tank before they even get in a place to compete. You know, they're like, all right, let's try again. Terrible management and terrible yeah. owner. And there's all like you can't feel bad for those teams, right? Really. It's just like, dude, what was the show? Who's the Kings owner, Vivek? Or what's his name? Vladi Diva. He's not. Oh, no, the he's, owner, he was the GM. Yeah, he was the, the GM. The, the Indian fellow. Uh, uh don't remember his name but there's a great uh i think it it kind of became like their incompetence was such that it became this never-ending loop of all those guys in the draft room uh just pining ranadive yeah there you go they wanted stauskas so bad was that his name (laughs) yeah just like 45 minutes of like everything changes if we get stauskas and uh and I guess you take Bagley over Luca and everything else too. But uh, yeah, when you have that kind of incompetence, you don't deserve parity. But there's plenty of teams that yeah are uh, aren't always 500 just because they're they're pining for for Stauskas or Bagley over Luca. Yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, the fight. I mean, it's interesting to see the other the other end of this because my last episode I had Andrew Doss, who's a Pistons fan, how right. uh, how do you re- recall the the malice of the I'm palace? <laughs> Great. I mean, like I said, I wasn't a Pacers fan. I like the they're fine, but it's just I mean I don't know. I don't want to compare it to like a an actual tragedy that happened in the world, <laughs> but it, its impact felt like that. Where it's like I remember being I had this little apartment in Broadable. It must have been, I was really young. It must have been like mm-hmm. right when I lived on my own or whatever and uh maybe i was 20 or 21 because i i was i must have been at a seeing a show or at a bar or something so i was old enough to be whatever but i came home right when it started and i just like i had a, nice, a couple drinks and <laughs> it's like hell yeah just played it on repeat and uh I mean, it's, I guess it's terrible for the team. It ended, it right. ended like a really nice. Team, but 
It was entertaining. That's just something you couldn't look away from. Ah, it was great. I, I rewound Jared. Uh, uh, God, my brain has been such a weirdo. Uh, Jerome. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal, of course. Yeah. Slipping and cold. Uh-huh. Pudgy kid. And, uh, there was a, a, it wasn't a 30 for 30, but there was like a Netflix documentary Because they about wouldn't it. let him make it. That was the story. Yeah. That NBA would never let him have it. So I knew a couple of people that dealt on that 30 for 30 stuff. And they just like, for years, they begged the NBA and the NBA was not letting the footage yep. be licensed. And that's, that's, um, that's really interesting to hear confirmation because I had, I have mentioned this before that I feel like even not long after it happened, NBA was trying to like remove any clip of that from the internet. Absolutely. Big so insane. I mean, peeps, people could have been killed. Yeah. I mean, you kind of get it. It's like, it's sort of a miracle that nothing truly terrible happened. I mean, it's basically a riot. Yeah. Oh, it's a riot. I mean, there's yeah. people in the stands, there's metal chairs being thrown into the exits. There's, I've been to Detroit enough times. We've all been to Detroit. <laughs> people aren't playing around at those games. Uh, you know, I'm sure that Pacers fans are no less genteel than they want to be, <laughs> but uh, was uh, was Jalen Rose on that team, or was that right before, right after? It was Reggie Miller's <laughs> last year. Right. I don't know if Jalen Rose was on. He might have been on the team, but yeah, dude, that maybe was, he was hurt or something. Maybe because that was Artest, that was O'Neal, the Davis um, still right. Yeah, because we know, played. They, when I was a kid, we played the half halftime at a couple Pacers games, and because my team was like, uh, I guess it was like just good enough to where they would ask, you know, a couple of better teams to go play at halftime. And I always had this outsized affection for Jalen Rose because we got to use like we weren't in their locker, but you get you have to go through like those tunnels and stuff to play, and that you're just being ignored by everyone. Rick Smith powering yeah. past you. But the only guy who definitively was not ignoring any of these kids was Jalen Rose. He <laughs> took it and to be like, what's up? Yeah. Every single one of us, you know, I'm going to try to get out of halftime early to watch you guys. Like, just sweet pea. Yeah. And I remember just like, to this day, I don't know. I want good things to happen in his life. I mean, he's really been hustling. He's become like a really great analyst. Yeah, I think he's a cool person. He's like, oh, yeah. Guys, we have all these other friends that have weird experiences with him too. Like, I had friends that we left prom and we were at this restaurant, and Jalen was at a table and just like came over and hung out at our prom table for an hour. Just what a good dude. Maybe he's a shithead, but like, seems like <laughs> a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And someone who wants to be kind to people around him. I don't know. Rick Smith he was and high. Yeah. Jalen Rose was a, a bull for two years, one year, two years. Right. Well, he was a weird career, too, where he seemed like he was nowhere near what he was projected forever. And then yeah. Larry Bird saw something in him and it really took off. Right. And those That's guys awesome. do the outliers, those guys who kind of toil away for years and then have this moment where it kind of comes together. Definitely. Um, as far as uh, the finals go right now, I, this may be, this is always dangerous recording an episode right before a. A game. What is your prediction for the game or the series? Let's say series. I mean, I don't know. It seems like all this Golden State is so scary because when it goes right, 
mathematically it's going right at like a 50% more per point clip than anybody yeah. else. Boston still feels like I don't understand how they ever score in the half court, but mm-hmm. everything I've read says that something like 89% of smart money is on Boston. Hmm. So I still think Boston, but both, you know, I don't know. I watched during the year and saw Boston put it together. I never saw Golden State look that good to me. And maybe I just didn't see enough of the right games. But I think there's a little bit of fool's gold going on there. Okay. I mean, Draymond can't shoot anymore. I lo- really he certainly like cannot. Yeah, and I love Clay. He mm-hmm. seems like a cool person and a great player. But, man, he seems like it's tougher to move around, and that's totally understandable. Jordan Jordan Poole's been really nice, though. Poole's been nice, but has he been lately? Yeah, I guess that's fair. But I also, still think like, when no it comes down to it, Steph is Steph. Huh? I think when it comes down to it, Steph is Steph, you know? Steph is Steph, but man, we'll... <laughs> whatever. I know, I know. Do you want to say it so bad? No, everybody knows it. Yeah. <laughs> They're all everybody. Everybody's like that. They're all twenty, thirty sure. years. But uh, it's just different. Like I prefer the one thing I really respect about Kevin Durant is he's kind of honest about himself. Okay. Steph he's Curry, honest to and, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and some of that maybe is not great. But like, I knew so many Steph Curry's that couldn't shoot as well as him growing up. Like <laughs> a certain kind of religious sort of veneer that's guarding this this underbelly of. Maybe not like terrible shit, but very human stuff. Sure. And uh, you know, I, I just know he's going to be in like a Gaither family singing commercial <laughs> or something. And on the backside, there's going to be some documentary when his wife beats up his car with a golf club. Uh, <laughs> I said too much. Uh, <laughs> but I love Clay, and right now Clay's dribbling. He just turned it over. Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. Boston probably won, but I'm not totally sure why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so I, I did have something uh, set aside as a, like a little game. Up to you if you want to play it or not. But um, I'm going to do it was, whatever I do. It, it was the idea of kind of making a band out of players. Like if a player, you know, what instrument would they be? And collectively, like what, what do they sound like, basically? Okay. It's 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 pretty abstract. Well, I thought about it a little bit today because I did read your email about it. So cool. As I put my team bands together, I had a little fear that it was like uh, you watch Nathan for you. Mm-hmm. You know the episode where he's putting the band together to make the smoke detector real instrument so they can <laughs> customs free. The more I thought about my band, I was like, oh, I'm totally putting together that Nathan for you band, <laughs> the smoke detector. So I tried to think about like. All right, so how do I unveil it? It's not very exciting. Uh, <laughs> so when I was a kid, my favorite player, and I have no idea why, I just made a decision. I knew I needed a favorite player, and it became it was Alonzo Mourning. Oh, nice. Kind of remained my favorite player. I have no idea why. He doesn't play like the kind of players I resemble or whatever. <laughs> so I have to put him on. He seems like he'd be the drummer. Yeah. I think he's got he's got the the, the metal wristbands. Absolutely. <laughs> but he also kind of reminds me of that Nathan for you drama. 
Okay, yeah. For some reason. And I can't remember if that guy resembles him or if it's just some sort of cosmic uh, whatever. I think there'd be, it'd have to be a Beatles situation where there's co, co-lead singers. Mm-hmm. For me, it would be Iverson and it would be Steve Nash. Mm, there's some balance in there. Yeah, I think so. But I think they'd have a lot of respect for each other. Yeah. One thing I really appreciate about Alan Iverson is how much he loves basketball and players currently. He seems yeah. like, like he's got no resentment. A lot of things, a lot of ex-players can... So he's very nurturing to the game right now. Oh, my God, so much in a way that you never would have expected the way he was portrayed, which is probably always highly inaccurate. And right. By a lot of very fucked up ways. But uh, So those would be the singers. And then we've got Alonzo Mourning on drums. I think I would put, I'm not sure the name is aged well, but I would put <laughs> Jason White Chocolate Williams on keyboards. <laughs> uh, he's got the look. He, yeah. And he <laughs> might do a vocal every now and then. Yeah. Uh, Ginobili would for sure be the guitar player. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, Jalen Rose would be the bass player. And that that's, would be that's pretty that's pretty well-rounded. It's a six-piece. There's three goofy white guys. <laughs> There's three very not goofy white guys. And I think their, their attitudes uh, will complement each other except for Jason Williams, who would probably <laughs> cause some friction. I mean, that, that band's not uh, destined to last long. Jason will have his side project while the first yeah. album charting. <laughs> uh, He'll go off and do his panda bear to the Animal Collective, you know. For sure. Yeah, I don't know enough about... <laughs> I, I felt so guilty on a podcast that's about indie rock because I don't feel like I know that much about indie rock, but <laughs> I definitely feel like Jason Williams would become a problem. I don't think... Is I there would, like a... Is there like a genre or or a comparable band that you think it would sound like? Oh man, I don't know bands that well. It's like I listen to <laughs> a lot of old country singers and like uh, a lot of old like female pop stuff. And uh, let me think about a band that I would know. Uh, it's a six piece band, so it's probably a more modern band because it seems like that's more of a modern, sure. maybe more modern phenomenon. Maybe not. Uh, I mean, six piece with a you know those three white dudes. It really well could be like a baroque pop sort of band, a little uh, obscure. In my head, I keep hearing some sort of kink stuff. Like the Ginobili factor feels very like, and obviously oh, yeah. not Canadian, right? Yeah, but we can just pretend he's not. We'll pretend <laughs> yeah. like from, we'll pretend he's French or something. Right. Then it'd be cool for it to be like uh, the Ginobili thing is, I think, where you have to take the identity. Is like it's um, kind of it's almost like France Gaul kind of thing, like this throwback sort of French pop. Mm-hmm. But Iverson as a co-lead singer, <laughs> or like uh, I'm not sure how the, that that it. '70s French uh, like soul band cortex. I guess you could do that, right? That's not crazy. You could have no. this like weird like moppy sort of white european thing that makes yeah. something a little more soulful i absolutely i see no problems with that <laughs> we, we, we should not see any problems with that yeah uh the alonzo morning on drums thing's tough well i guess 
Paul McCartney's drummer is kind of like that. You see a lot of those legacy guys going with those like badass, big, bulky. Yeah. No. He's uh, Alonzo Mourning's doing it for the money. He's he's it's a job. You think? Yeah. yeah I guess you're right. He's like you know he's I, like, I I know I'm good. I'm here to do whatever you need. Totally, but he also probably like didn't join until the first drummer was like done with it. Sure. Yeah. Like who's Paul Simon's drummer? Oh God! Because no a lot idea. of these players are like those like African guys he's had with him since Grayson. Right. Yeah. But the drummer, for some reason, I'm not picturing Paul McCartney's drummer. I picture instantly because he's such a big guy. Uh, but Paul Simon's drummer would be an interesting comp because a lot of those guys seem to go out with like real muscular mm-hmm. drummers, and those they didn't always have muscular drummers in their heyday. I don't think of Ringo as a particularly like muscular <laughs> no, drummer. I he's certainly would not. Of all time, but. <laughs> Uh, Paul well, according see- to this, uh, Paul Simon's drummer is Steve Gadd. Oh, yeah, so not like that, but yeah, <laughs> uh, hmm, it's interesting to think about. But I see it though. I mean, I feel like honestly, the Alonzo Mourning as drummer is it's like when, when Jay Z goes on tour and he has like a live band, like the, that kind of drummer. Like, he, Does he do that occasionally that's cool I, I i've definitely seen i there was actually uh i don't know if you remember tony royster jr he was, was like it? a child he, tony royster jr he was like a child a child drummer like it was like a child prodigy he was like four years old and he's insane cool. drum solos but then when he was uh like 20 something jay-z had him on tour with him which was really cool that seems like it'd be a cool thing to see with a band yeah definitely other than yeah. you know his his Lincoln Park uh, <laughs> partnership, yeah, I don't know that music super well, but I don't know anything. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm on kind of a weird island with music. Although, not to keep this going forever, but the the one new thing I do like there's not only one new thing I like, but you might appreciate this because of your friendship with Jake, who I think has some uh, maybe history with this guy. Is my favorite thing I've heard in forever. Is that Cutworms kid? Dude, yeah. I actually saw Cutworms on Friday. A couple years younger than yeah. me, probably. But you saw I him? I saw him on Friday, yeah. Where at? He was at Sleeping Village in Chicago. What is that place? That's pretty new. It's uh, not probably from the last five years. No, it's um, Avondale. So it's like uh, on Belmont. That record. Oh, fantastic. I, I don't know if this stuff can happen that much anymore, but my favorite. I, I, there's nothing I like more than slowly falling in love with like a record or a book or a film or something that mm-hmm. I liked. Oh, I first heard that record and it's so long. Yeah. I get myself a little out. It's a very long record. But I, 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 I remember that kid's demos when he was little. Mm-hmm. Like people around Chicago and even Indiana just being like, oh, there's this weirdo little like Roy Orbison kid. Not Roy Orbison, but I guess like an Everly Brothers kid. But kind of like... Like all those guys, weird. All of them, yeah, exactly. Like sometimes he's very Bob Dylan, sometimes he's very Roy Orbison. But it's Orbison. always so much himself, man. There's no, yeah. it's like it's not parody, and it's not. I I slowly found myself. Oh, here's a song that like I'm putting on a little more than I was, mm-hmm. and before long, that whole record to me is just like a fucking masterpiece. It's so yeah. good, and it's so lean. Mm-hmm. And I like that other one that's like the opposite of lean. I think that one's really cool too. Yeah. And, no and I think luck. he's got some more stuff coming out this year too. Oh man, I hope so. I 
I don't know how to just that record is so beautiful and so like uh, it's just I don't know I'm going blank just thinking yeah no I hear you he's not he's not playing dress up he's it's like he's quietly charismatic yeah it's it's the it's that whole Gillian Welch thing it's like Uh it does not matter when this kid was born right wherever he was born this shit is in his blood like he has the DNA to do that he's not a fake He's even got character in his face, like as a look, you know. Oh, and his little his clothes and his yeah. He, he came out in like a, a wide-shouldered blazer a little <laughs> bit, and, and like he had his back turned to the crowd. I'm like, dude, he's doing like an Elvis Presley thing right now. <laughs> it just seems so earned with that guy. There's so many of these people where it's like yeah. you can smell it a mile away. Just like, oh, oh yeah. god, it's record collection rock, <laughs> and there's like nothing I like less than that. And unfortunately, in Chicago, there was so much of that when I was there. Yeah, like in my opinion, really posery, aging terribly record collection rock. But that kid is not that. Mm-hmm. And that little dude, I don't know him. I know Jake seems like he maybe knew him a little bit, but I would I would love to. Very few musicians I would care to have a drink with or shake their hand. Yeah. Or, buy them a drink but i'm sending one his way and they're in the same place. yeah he uh the crowd was so in like he has like some diehards well those are his people right i mean yeah. he's a chicago boy now he's brooklyn like everybody but sure he's like he's you guys his person you know it seems like right i i'm not sure actually i I'm haven't heard of him until recently as well i'm almost positive he's a chicago kid okay uh, yeah Great album also, from last year for sure. Oh, so good. And he can't, he just did it the right way where it's like he's just old enough where you can tell he's probably had a lot of, like I started so young. I have a lot of material that it's like me figuring out what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that guy just seems like he burst, he decided to come out when he was ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I, cocoon. I, hope, he, I hope he's putting out more stuff because <laughs> fucking. Love. It. I think he had a, a new single that came out. I think maybe I last week. I bought it on Bandcamp. I spent like mm-hmm. I gave him like fifteen dollars for it. <laughs> nice. Like much. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know what he's also doing? I, I, again, I'll wrap it up. But he he's always like selling gear on Instagram. Like he needs money for rent. <laughs> I was like, hey, that's such a shame if that's true. Which of course it is because he's good and. Mm-hmm not making bullshit starving artist you know yeah just like he's i'm sure he doesn't you know he's he's always gonna be kind of a cult thing he's not you know yeah. maybe but he's always posting like you know eight track outboard mixer only used twice i can meet you up at the corner of <laughs> park and whatever in bedstock and i'm always just like god damn of all the times i'm not in new york all the time which i used to be i would just to just spend the money to buy it just so you can hang out his rent i don't know i have such an affection for what he's doing yeah yeah not to uh, i shouldn't endorse (laughs) all right uh well obviously yeah i'm a big fan of cutworms and then as far as uh as far as your band goes i I feel like that's a solid roundup and yeah yeah. so i think this is a a good spot to wrap it up so we can get back to watching the rest of that game sounds good um but thanks again for joining man this yeah, is this was a good time reschedule and uh oh all good you were obviously finishing up music and you had stuff going on so yeah yeah um Hopefully all good it made any sense 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, Give this Jake was a great a conversation. For me if you see him. I, I definitely will. I think uh, I saw him at Cutworms, actually. God bless him. <laughs> He's a good boy. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks again. So that's going to be it for this episode of Indie Basketball. Uh, I want to thank Richard Edwards again for joining, talking Steph Curry and uh, Indiana Malice at the Palace and, and Jason Williams and, and all of that in the NBA Finals. Um, and thank you all for listening. I want to remind everyone that we are, have a Discord server for you to join. It's a great time. I believe we will be doing a watch party for Game 3 of the NBA Finals if you want to join and hang out with us and, and watch the game together. And then I would also love your support on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash basketball. Your money's going to go a long way to getting half-court sessions up and running. There may be one in production very shortly. Um, but that money would go a long way to to really getting some great content for you guys of, of exclusive performances. Um, so we'd love your support there, but as always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on discord. Thanks for listening.